Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Traveling to a race this year. Fall is quickly approaching. That might mean some runners will be traveling across the country for their goal race. With COVID-19, a lot of races have been canceled, but there are some states in the U.S. that still have races going on. We are going to be speaking more in general terms in regards to traveling and running races. So these are tips that you can use in 2020 if you are traveling to a race, or even if you're listening in four or five years from now headed to maybe the 2025 Chicago Marathon. So whether you're traveling 50 miles or 5,000 miles, we have some tips for you to use to make sure that you have your best race ever while on the road. Jason and I have traveled to several marathons across the country, including Chicago, LA, Las Vegas, Boston, and several others. We will be chatting about this topic because a lot of people will be traveling to goal races, especially with a lot of the cancellations that have been going on. So whether you're traveling this year or in another year, I hope that you can find some of these tips useful. Um, Jason is a coach here at Run for PRs. He has over a decade of run coaching experience. Um, He's done about 10 marathons himself, a lot of them on the road, and I have done uh, 19 marathons with almost all of them, um, except for three, were staying at a hotel or traveling. So definitely um, when you're doing marathons, I think that it can be more common to travel because there's not as many races. Whereas if you're doing, you know, a 5k, a lot of those can be done more locally. So you're probably not going to travel. You could travel for a 5k, 10k, half, but There's usually more that are available within, you know, driving distance in the morning. So, you know, it it becomes interesting because traveling can be stressful and so can running a marathon. So it's just a unique topic. And I don't think a lot of people really talk about um, this particular topic, but it is really important to kind of dissect the important parts of what you need to know about traveling to a race and how you should structure things because you definitely don't want to be, you know, wearing yourself out a couple days before the race with, you know, the stress of travel. And these tips can just give you some peace of mind and some like things to check off your to-do list um, to just realize that you're doing it correctly and uh, all the good things. So Jason, what is the best race that you have ever traveled to? Just to kind of kick things off on a more lighthearted note, um, where's a favorite favorite like marathon or half marathon you've traveled to and why? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I just enjoy traveling in general. So pretty much everywhere we've been, I've um, really liked all of the things that go into planning, you know, like where you're going to eat, reservations, where you're going to stay, um, transportation, how you're going to get to and from the hotel and the airport and the expo and the restaurants. So 
Um, I think one of my favorites, though, was our most recent one at CIM in Sacramento. Um, and the reason was it was just a nice sized city that wasn't too large, so we didn't have to mess with traffic. Um, everything was fairly close together. Um, and there was a lot of food options that were close um, within walking distance. So I just thought it was it was a nicely put together race. Obviously, CIM is a great race. Um, competitive race tracks a lot of, you know, elite runners and semi elite runners. And it's a very deep field, but it's also a great time of year in December um, to, you know, escape the Midwest and go somewhere where it's actually pleasant to be outside. And so there's a nice strip there where you can walk the street and, and pick restaurants. And, um, you know, we even made reservations at a restaurant a little bit out of Sacramento one night just to meet up with some friends. And so I think that one stands out to me. Um, you know, Boston, for example, is always a tough, a tough one because I feel like you have to get reservations. Otherwise you're going to be waiting a long time for your meals. Um, and think about Boston. Everyone's coming from all over, um, you know, the world really. So everyone's kind of on a different like eating schedule, especially with adjusting to the time zone. And so it's like constantly busy. I know we've got gotten there before and we've wanted to eat and it's not necessarily like a lunch hour, but, um, it's still busy and it's hard to find a place. So, yeah, those are a few just to, to name. I think, um, you know, Las Vegas was interesting. I don't, I don't, that was so long ago. I don't really have a, a ton of memories about like where we ate, but we, you know, we stayed at a hotel that I'm sure offered a few different options. And that's, that's one benefit. If, if you're going to a major race and obviously this year you won't be because all the major races are, are canceled. Um, the bigger cities have more options typically for eating, um, so you can kind of count on just getting a better variety and the races that are going on this fall, um, and early winter are probably smaller races in States like Utah or, you know, Montana or in the, somewhere in the Midwest. And, and a lot of those are might maybe in areas that aren't such large Metro areas. So you may have to do some research ahead of time. Um, and, and, you know, think especially about, uh, transportation to those places, um, maybe reservations, um, a lot of places, you know, in those areas, hopefully there's not many restrictions right now for restaurants, but, um, you know, they may have limitations like a limited menu too. So obviously doing your research ahead of time can help, um, with planning for your nutritional needs. And for us, I know a big thing is, you know, when we travel, we, we tend to get, get hangry if it's been too long since we've eaten. And so we've kind of learned to obviously pack as much food as we can. So bringing plenty of snacks, um, you know, obviously I pack snacks, um, stuff that I don't need immediately. I pack in my like bag that I'm going to check at the airport, um, stuff like that. I might like bars and stuff that I might need morning of the race or whatever, but stuff that I want to eat that day during travel, I'm definitely keeping that close by and a carry on. Um, and then, yeah, so I think snacks is huge. Just planning ahead as much as you can with nutrition and, um, I think that eating every few hours can help, of, you know, prevent that, that stage of getting hangry. So we're constantly snacking, you know, even on the plane, like we snack a little bit when we get to the airport and then we snack on the plane and then you try to snack when you get off the plane, when you're traveling to your hotel. So by the time you get there, you're not starving, you're not dying, looking for a restaurant. I know we've made that mistake before where we arrive and it's been four hours and we haven't eaten anything. And so everyone's a little, a little angry. So those are some tips to kind of avoid um, some of the nutritional challenges as you travel, especially day of. Yeah, definitely. It's good to plan ahead, like you said. And I know, you know, you mentioned a lot of different locations and you, you said Las Vegas was interesting. And I, I definitely would agree with you on the interesting there. Uh, 
that race started at 6 p.m., um, which our time. So you also have to factor in like your time changes. So for us, that was 8 p.m. And having a race start at 8 p.m. is really weird just nutritionally because um, by the time I finished, it was midnight, my time. So at that point, you know, restaurants obviously in Vegas are still open, but, you know, you might not feel like eating and, and whatnot. But I, I do remember, you know, at 2 a.m. after we couldn't fall asleep, we decided, oh, we're so hungry. Let's go find something to eat. And we thought we weren't going to find anything, but hmm. like the buffets were all open because I guess people stay up all night in Vegas, right? So there was a lot of people eating at, you know, 2 or 3 a.m. when we went down there to get a table, which is so so interesting, but it is good to kind of like research those things ahead of time and kind of knowing when you're going to want to eat um, and just planning that like in an itinerary. I think going day by day and saying, okay, you know, my flight leaves here, how much and really just sitting down and writing like a calendar list of am I going to need I'm going to need to eat on the plane. I'm going to have to bring snacks, going to need to figure out when I need dinner reservations and really researching because I think a lot of what you said was that the places where you researched ahead of time and made reservations those ended up being you know the better trips because it wasn't like a last minute you weren't trying to find places because when you do go to busier cities it's like you can't just you know wing it and say oh I really want to try this restaurant um you know at the drop of a dime you have to really plan things out Um, ahead of time and I think that's just good advice in general because when you're in a new city it's important to kind of research the restaurants especially if you have like dietary restrictions or you just have certain preferences I think everyone has certain restaurant preferences even if you don't have dietary restrictions so it's fun to really like go online and research where you want to eat and plan um, calling seeing if they have reservations and I think that that's one thing that we did with CIM um, which really made it a lot easier when we were traveling because it gave us you know a specific timeline that we had to eat and it also allowed us to go to a place that had a menu offering that um, was something that we knew on the menu that we wanted to eat and that just provides a little bit of peace of mind and you don't have to like stress about those things or like last second go, oh, let's go to Subway or like Chipotle and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's like your only option or you're just like frantically trying to search for food, um, it can just be like an added stress, especially if you wait until like 10 o'clock at night and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten yet. I need to go eat. That can actually have you know, like a nutritional backfiring on you if you're used to eating three or four hours ahead of time. So it's just really important to to plan ahead, obviously, bringing snacks, like you said, and um, on the plane when you're traveling. And then staying hydrated, of course, is really important. So we've talked a lot about the food and researching that ahead of time, booking the restaurants in advance and all that stuff. But then, of course, staying hydrated is really important. So How do you stay hydrated and then like not have to pee every five minutes or every 10 minutes in the plane or car ride? Is that just like something you have to bite the bullet? Is it okay to just like not drink when you're traveling and then just load back up? Or what is your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unload there. I would look at, you know, how many days prior to your race are you traveling? Because obviously if you're traveling like the day before, you want to make sure you're not 
you know, putting your body through a two or three hour window where you're hardly hydrating. Um, but fortunately for us, I feel like we've usually got on morning flights, like really bright and early. Um, so, you know, you maybe have like 16 ounces of liquid, um, prior to boarding and that's, that's about it. And so, you know, fortunately you're not usually having to go to the bathroom more than one time and being on the plane, you know, I'd say the average flight's three hours, maybe four if you're flying like somewhere pretty far away. But, um, you know, and same with thinking about car rides, obviously it's a hassle to have to stop, but it is probably easier, um, unless you're riding with people that don't want to stop with you. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, um, I've personally done, especially cause I, I know that especially if you're sitting like in the window seat, it's kind of annoying if you have to get up more than once. I, I get one time that's pretty typical, but if you have to get up two or three, um, and believe me, we've had to do that, especially I think on plane rides home because, you know, we've flown home the same day or day after running a marathon. And so your, your body's just kind of processing everything that you rehydrated with. So, um, I think that the best thing is to just not drink a ton at once, try to slowly sip on it. So if you have an hour or two in the morning before you board, just slowly, um, kind of, uh, drink your water as you're, you know, driving to the airport and before you get through security. Um, we, we usually buy something after security just to have on the plane, um, again, you can slowly sip on it, but most of the planes also offer, um, you know, water and beverages there, uh, as far as traveling and making sure you're hydrated with like electrolytes too. I like to bring in my check bag or, or carry on, I'll bring like little packets of electrolyte mix. Like you can't hydrate or, um, stuff like that. Like you can buy, you can buy those and travel ahead of time. You can even put, you know, Gatorades or Powerades if you want in your check bag, but, um, and I do that just so that I don't feel like I have to find a store right when I arrive, you know, to get certain drinks other than water. Um, sometimes it can be hard to find, especially if you, you know, go to a restaurant right away. Your options are limited between water and soda. So, um, yeah, and then I, I liked what you were saying earlier about the reservations. It made me think of times where we, you know, we sometimes waited until it was maybe cutting it a little close a couple of weeks before the trip. And so the hours of getting a reservation were hard and we had to go to dinner at like four o'clock some places. And so that was kind of early, but we did. And then what we do is we'd always order room service like later that night, um, just so that we're eating again before we go to sleep. So that's a good thing to think about, um, eating kind of two dinners or two smaller dinners and take the times you can get for the reservations so that you're at least, you know, able to go out and eat. Yeah, I think those are all really good tips. Um, Definitely, you know, thinking about getting those reservations and then, you know, if need be, having snacks in the room or ordering room service if it's available where you're staying. Um, But I definitely think, you know, getting the snacks um, right away, you know, in regards to having food in your room. So it's it's going to be important that you have something available to you in your room to eat. Um, because, you know, when you wake up race day morning, you're not going to be able to like go to breakfast or like get breakfast reservations, right? You're going to have to have your, your breakfast with you. So what do you um, advise people do in regards to getting their breakfast? Should they try to purchase it when they're there? Should they pack it with them? Um, what do you usually do and what works well? Yeah, we've done both where we bring bring stuff if we're going somewhere like Grandma's Marathon, for example. We there's I mean, where we stay there's not like a grocery store within walking distance or anything. So we would bring like our, our toast and peanut butter and stuff like that. Um or bars that we want to eat the morning of. If you're traveling somewhere and you know that there's um, you know, time and places nearby, you can definitely 
um, plan to, I know when we've gone to Boston, we've stopped at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods and stuff and gotten what we needed there. So I think it just depends on where you're traveling to and how much time you have when you get there. Yeah, it's always an option to, to visit a store to pick things up. But again, you know, if you're limited on time and you don't really know what's going to be around, let's say you're traveling to like a small town to do this race, um, I would almost guarantee you're probably not going to find what you're wanting or looking for. If you're traveling um, from a totally different region, a lot of the times the things in the grocery store are different. Um, especially in like small rural areas, which a lot of people might be traveling to just, um, because that's what's hosting the races. Like, I'm not sure that I would know what's going to be in Fargo, you know, for the Fargo marathon. Um, so it might make sense to definitely pack, especially if you have like dietary restrictions, like you're looking for gluten-free bread or something. Um, it's important to, to pack those things if it's something that you really need and you know that like nothing else sits well with you except for like this one specific thing, um, pack those things and just make sure you're prepping ahead of time. Um, it's really important because you don't want to try anything new on race day or really the day before race day, which can be a little interesting. So, you know, let's say you're, you're going to race day. This is a really common question. We say, like, what are you supposed to eat the night before a race if you're eating at a restaurant and you've never eaten there before? Like, how do you know? Or do you just, like, have a go-to meal? What do you usually get um, that's that's safe? And is it okay to, like, go to a new restaurant? Or should you, like, box your stuff and, like, bring it and only eat in a hotel? What do you think? Um, I, I think it's okay to try a new restaurant. I know we've we've been we've had to do that over the years just because that's all that's available out there. And um, but I I would say order something that's familiar to you off the menu, unless it's like totally different cuisine that you're not used to eating. Like I won't go out and have Thai food if you're not used to having Thai food, that sort of thing. So order what you know kind of sits well with you, whether that's like a carb like pasta, rice. Um, or like a, some sort of like club sandwich or some, you know, whatever, whatever you're used to eating uh, the night before, like your long runs or your harder effort runs and other races. And you know that it, it's been, you know, been able to sit well with you. I would try to find something similar on the menu. And again, it goes back to just looking ahead, looking online, what, what do they have to offer? Um, and then if you have any dietary restrictions, you can, you know, take that into consideration too. But um yeah, I think the food is probably the number one thing I would say it's so important to plan for. I would say even more important than transportation. you got to know where, what, where you're going to be eating ahead of time because it can eliminate a ton of stress um, and it can just make your trip seem a lot more enjoyable if you have everything planned as far as your, your nutritional needs. Yeah, it's really good to take that stress out of the equation. So if you're someone that you want to like try restaurants when you're out there and make more of like a trip out of it, definitely make those reservations in advance. Um, I know, you know, sometimes you're just there for like a quick day trip and honestly, like you just don't have a lot of time and you don't want to spend a lot of time doing like sightseeing, trying different restaurants, that sort of thing. Um, it may work well for you to like get a Chipotle or a Subway or whatever it is that you've had before a long run that sits well with you. I know we had like a 214 marathon around here almost two years ago now. And he said before he ran that race that he just got Subway the night before. And so if you know that that like works well for you and you've had success like eating stuff like that, you know, the night before workouts or long runs or whatever, um, that's definitely a go-to option. So it's just really important to kind of know how you're going to be traveling. So if you're someone that's just trying to make like a quick trip of it, 
Um, it might be okay to just do more of like a room service or like bringing something and microwaving it. Um, but if you're trying to have like more of an experience, definitely planning in advance is more of the, the way to go for sure. Um, and then in, in terms of planning in advance, I guess it's really important to also talk about like the clothing, the clothing and the gear and what you're going to wear on race day. So if you're traveling to a race and you know, you're checking the weather forecast and all of those things, um, how do you know, like for sure what the weather's going to be? Do you do pack a bunch of different outfits? Um, how do you pack specifically for the race? Yeah. Um, especially if you're going to a different state or just, um, you know, a different part of the U S that has sort of unfamiliar weather, I would, I would plan for everything. So you want to plan for, um, you know, warmer than anticipated conditions. And so which case you're going to want to have lighter clothes and you're going to want to have maybe, um, like sunscreen, um, you know, light, light as far as like color too. So maybe like a white hat, stuff like that. And then you want to have the opposite. So, um, you want to plan for, you know, colder climates that, um, you, you may or may not be familiar with. So even you're not just talking temperature, but wind and rain as well. So it's good to have, um, you know, gloves and arm sleeves and maybe an extra layer or a shell, whatever you find, um, you know, that, that works well for you, like either in training or if you're totally unfamiliar, I would, I would plan to bring a little bit more and then it's always easier to shed layers as you go. Um, but again, yeah, looking at the weather ahead of time, trying to, use your best judgment. Um, and if it just looks unpredictable, like if it's, if it looks like it's going to be about like 50 or 50 for the high, um, but the low could be like in the thirties or, you know, I would, I would err on the side of caution and bring, bring, uh, the cold gear stuff. I know one year at grandma's, I made a comment about forgetting gloves and people were kind of laughing at me, even though, you know, it's June in Minnesota, but we've had races up there at the start where it's temps are like in the mid forties and that can feel a little chilly. And so, I was just thinking of more having it when you're waiting around in the corrals, even though I may not wear it during the race, you know, be thinking about that too. Like for Boston, you have to be staying outside. It seems like for two or three hours before your start of your race. So again, think that, think about that, you know, think about the starting area. Um, how protected are you? And, um, yeah, gear is definitely going to be huge and not just gear that you, you know, are going to need for the race, but thinking about like, I don't know how long you're going to be gone for, but sometimes a lot, a lot of times we'll go a place and we'll stay for four or five days. And so we'll, we'll have to bring extra gear to think about our other shakeout runs and such. So making sure you bring in enough clothes, enough socks, especially, um, and then all the gear that just goes into traveling with chargers and, you know, your phone carrier and whatever you might carry your phone in. And if you like to carry your phone when you run, um, yeah, so making sure you plan ahead, bring all that stuff. Um, and I'd always pack like maybe at least one extra um, option just because the one I think I'm going to need just because just because you never know. And, and obviously um, some areas may have option for laundry, but you can't count on that either. I know we have had a few hotels that have offered free laundry, but um, again, unpredictable. And so it's best to be a little bit overprepared in terms of clothing, gear, um, Obviously, we've gone to places where we felt underprepared. Um, so we've gone to the expo, we've gone to local sporting goods stores, and we've lucked out. We've been able to purchase what we've needed, but it's better to, um, you know, be prepared because, like Victoria said, you don't know what to expect in these areas that are hosting these races. They may be smaller urban areas or um, rural areas, rather. So um, you can't just count on being able to go to a Target or a sporting goods store if you forgot something.
Yeah, that's a really good point. It's better to be, you know, overprepared than underprepared. And sometimes I think when we're so used to running straight out of our house, we get used to our whole wardrobe being there to pull from. And, oh, no matter what the weather, I have something for it. So I would say, you know, depending on where you're going, it's important to kind of prepare for four different, you know, case scenarios for race day. Um, It might be really way colder than you anticipated um and that is one scenario it could be way hotter than you anticipated um it could be perfect temperature and then it could be like a rain sort of situation so you want to be prepared for pretty much all four of those case scenarios and what would you wear in each one of those and sometimes you might kind of be wearing a similar or like the same thing um, but just having those options available to you because we've traveled and it is that's the case. I mean, you're going to get one of four things. <laughs> you're either going to get perfect weather, way too hot, way too cold, or it's going to rain. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the rain situation, it does happen more often than not. So just prepping for what you, what would you want to be wearing if you're standing um in the rain for an hour at the start of your race. So having things available to you that are going to make sense for that situation. So I know you mentioned saying, yeah, like I'm not going to wear the gloves during the race when I'm running, obviously, but it's important to think about what are you going to be standing there at the start doing? Because it's not like a regular run where you can just run straight out of your house. You have to stand at the start line for, you know, over an hour maybe uh, where you're on the elements. So just what would you want to have if it were, you know, the worst case scenario and best case scenario? Um, it is better to be, you know, overprepared. Uh, what about when it comes to like the watch charger, cell phone charger, all those things? Um, is it just like have a checklist ready or do you have any like tips there? Yeah, I mean, what I like to do is obviously we pack everything pretty much the day before just to make sure you have it all. Um, and then a few days before leading up to that, you could make a list that way, uh, when you actually start packing, you have something to pull from and there won't be like, Oh, I forgot. I totally forgot about that. And you know, at the time when I forgot about the gloves, it was more about just, I knew I probably wasn't going to need them, but it was more like, um, you should have them to be prepared in case like there's overcast and there's wind or rain that morning. Um, you know, obviously the temp said they were going to be probably low of a 55 high of 70 that day. So it just kind of it skipped my mind that entire week like oh the weather's nice down here it's probably 80s down here Um, yeah I'm going a few hours north but I'm not going to need cold gear like gloves like so that part just totally skipped my mind but if you kind of draft a list a few days prior to traveling and then when you're packing you just kind of make sure you have everything um I think that can be pretty helpful I know for our athletes we a lot of times send them um in their pre-race uh, pacing plan will send them a checklist of things to think about bringing. So I know that that's helpful. Um, yeah, as far as chargers, gear, I, for me, like I went, it wouldn't be the end of the world if I <laughs> had to run the race without my Garmin or, or you know, something like that. But it's definitely something you, most people want to have a fully charged watch. So you got to make sure you bring the um, the watch charger as well as your phone chargers and stuff. And I know we've had... Um, you know, the, the battery on phones seemed better now, but back when we used to travel years ago, it seemed like you had to bring your charger like with you in public because you're going to run low on battery. So you need to plug in at the airport, you need to plug in at the restaurant you're in just to be able to, you know, 
look for an Uber or look for where directions to the expo are and stuff because you needed to make sure like, oh my gosh, I need, I need to make sure my battery doesn't die or I'm going to be meeting up with so-and-so and family and I need to make sure I have enough batteries. So yeah, the charger was huge there a while back for traveling, making sure. I remember at Boston, we had to bring the chargers into one of the restaurants. Um, so yeah, thinking about that. Um, and I think, you know, some other logistical things we'll talk about here shortly um, as far as like the expo and all that. I think that that, you know, now that we've talked about nutrition, we talked about gear, um, we talked about all the things that kind of pre-planning as far as uh, thinking about the days leading up to your trip. Um, and, you know, if you're driving, it's really all the same thing. Um, you know, you want to start thinking about the route that you're going to be taking. So um, look for detours, look at certain websites to figure out construction because I know sometimes in you know in the Midwest here you might you might think you're going to go a certain way and then you realize you, when you get out there on the freeway there's a detour and so it would have been quicker going a different way so sometimes Google Maps and all that that won't always show um, what's really going on you may have to actually go to um, the metro areas um, you know traffic website to figure out are there any closures or detours that are going to set me back um, so, and I think that'll be very common this year. A lot of people will take, you know, shorter road trips, maybe six or eight hour drives to smaller states where they can run their marathons. So definitely thinking about that and allow yourself an extra couple hours, I would say, just to plan for those un, unforeseen maybe stops that you might need to take and, you know, food and all that. Yeah, definitely plan for, you know, expecting road detours and expecting, you know, you know, road closures, all those sort of things. If you are road tripping, um, just because you never know what you're going to hit, you want to make sure, you know, you avoid those as much as possible, but also just like plan ahead and make sure you're not cutting it, you know, at the last second really close and getting to the expo 20 minutes before it closes. Um, You know, another thing is, you know, rush hour traffic that if you have an expo, I don't really think there'll be a lot of races like this, but if you have an expo that's in a busy city, it's going to be important that you understand, you know, traffic's going to be hard to get to that expo if it's in a downtown location and you're trying to get there like four or five o'clock in the afternoon. So just like planning ahead, all those things, um, a little bit different this year. I don't think it'll be because it's not like there's the Chicago Marathon and Twin City is going on this year. But you know there might be other um, marathons. You know who knows downtown Fargo maybe gets uh, a little busy. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I don't think it'll be too bad. Um, just things to keep in mind. Um, having a schedule and making sure you're not like the last person that's going to be at the expo. But also know um, the expos might be more busy at certain times. Um, so just like planning ahead and, you know, this, this year you're probably going to have to wear your mask to the expo and just, you know, practice social distancing. So things might be a little bit, uh, take a little bit more time than they maybe did in the past when it was a more of a free for all. Uh, so that's something also you could keep in mind. Um, and then just like avoiding being on your feet for too long, I think is really important. So, you know, in the past, we've had athletes that like to make, you know, like a vacation out of their, um, out of their marathon, which is fine. But you have to like ask yourself, you know, like what's the goal here? Am I doing it more for the trip? Am I doing it more for like a race result? Um, if your goal is to like BQ and and you're going all the way down and you're running you know, like the Disney marathon, for example, I would say you want to stay off your feet and not go to the parks in the days leading up to the race. Um, It's going to be important to 
understand like standing around and going to parks and standing in the sun and being on your feet is going to take something out of you. Um, and then like also being exposed to germs and potentially maybe catching something, um, and your immune system having to work harder while you're on the race, you want to just kind of avoid that as much as possible. Um, and then if you are going to do sightseeing, maybe that's something you want to do, um, in the days after the race. So if you, if you do plan that you want to stay there for a couple days, maybe have that be on the back end, um, of things or, um, in the way beginning of the week, that way you don't have, you know, super tired legs the day of the race. Um, and then logistically when it comes to, you know, getting to the race start, how do you recommend most people, um, navigate this? Should they use the transportation provided? Should they, um, you know, get dropped off? What works well for you? Yeah, um, this question I would say is going to depend on the race you're doing because some races, you know, they're going to make it seem like that's really the only way to get to the start would be to go on there, provide transportation. Like Boston, obviously, is one of those races where you're not going to want to get um, dropped off. I don't even think that's going to be allowed um, unless you're going to try to, you know, run a mile into the Athletes Village area. But um, you know, the, a lot of these smaller races that are going on, it might, it might say on their website, like what is the best way? Um, and they may be in an area where that is convenient for getting dropped off. Um, otherwise they may be, you know, they may provide the shuttles and the transportation at certain drop-off sites. So just, just do your research ahead of time, plan ahead. Um, you know, and ask people at the expo if you're not sure at that point, like if you haven't really decided what your best bet is, um, you know, maybe like, it's further for you to get to drive to one of the shuttle areas than it is to just get dropped off at the start. So, you know, that, that might be an, an, a question for some of the race volunteers, um, at the expo. So yeah, I think that would depend on the race you're at, um, the size of the field and all that. Um, and then I definitely like what you were saying about like the sightseeing and, you know, I know we've gone to places where you really do want to explore the city. I think Boston one year, we, we did go to, you know, we, we checked out um, some of the local colleges. And so we, I think we went two days before, but then the day before we really tried to limit, you know, being on our feet. And so if you're arriving in the city the day before, you know, hit the expo quick, do what you need to do, but then get off your feet um, and stay off your feet the last few hours of the day. Make sure you get a good night's rest. Try to save all the sightseeing for the day, you know, um, after your race or the next day. Um, and uh, transportation getting home as well from the finish that's a big thing to look at i know you know we've especially if you're going alone or you're gonna have limited um friends or family with you and if it's a busy area you definitely want to plan ahead like where are we going to meet or look at a map figure out like where you would have to walk to get back to the hotel or whatever or get back to the car because it can get kind of confusing especially if you just ran a race and now you're exhausted and you have to go find your way back so um definitely important to think about, you know, post-race too, like how you're going to get back to where you need to go so you can get back safely, especially if you want to get out of the elements because it's really cold or really hot and you need to get, get somewhere quick to get your body temperature back to normal. It's definitely important that you're planning ahead. Yeah. And I think, you know, the day before the event, those things can really sneak up on you. Like you might not be doing anything that you think is strenuous or hard on your body. Uh, but you, you know, like any little thing, it does make a difference. And so I was just thinking back to when we went to LA, we, it was the year of the Olympic trials marathon and that took place on a Saturday. And then the LA marathon took place on a Sunday and we spectated the LA marathon the day before. 
Um, and we were trying to be like really cautious about, you know, staying in the shade and drinking a lot of water and like sitting, um, and all those things. But even like just being out there for, you know, four hours, it was like really draining. Um, and I didn't really realize that while we were doing that, I felt totally fine. It wasn't until I got back to the hotel room. Like, oh man, like I, I have to run a marathon tomorrow. Like I'm, I'm a little bit wiped from, you know, being out there and it was hot and just like the whole event of the day. Um, I know it sounds kind of silly, like someone who's in marathon shape to say like, whoa, like, you know, spectating a race for three hours took a little bit out of me, but it really does. And I didn't, I mean, the race the next day was fine, but I think just even mentally, um, not having time to like decompress and just like relax before you run a marathon can, can be a little bit strenuous. Um, whereas if you just kind of have like more downtime, chill time, you can really get like in the zone before the race. Um, it just depends on kind of like your personality style, I guess. Um, I think it is really important before the race to have, you know, 12, 12 hours of like, okay, like this is for my race. I'm, I'm having a little bit of chill time. Um, even like parenting, I think it can be hard, like to do all of that stuff the day before, um, your big marathon. So if possible, like maybe if people can, you know, take some of that off your plate, like watch your kids for a few hours so you don't like stress out about that. Um, I know the times that we went up to grandma's and traveled with our, well, he was at various ages. Um, we traveled him at like seven months and then like a year and a half and he slept in our hotel room, Um, there was just like a lot of stress around like getting him to sleep and like making sure he sleeps and all that stuff. And then by the time he did fall asleep, it was like 10 o'clock and then we have to wake up at like 3am for this race. And so that's a half marathon. So it's a little bit different, but I just think little things like that, if we wouldn't have had to like, I wouldn't have had to worry about, um, you know, the kid falling asleep and all that stuff. Like it could have given me a little bit of more time to focus my energy elsewhere and not be, you know, riding adrenaline and all that stuff. So just the little things kind of, they make a big difference, but at the end of the day, you can only do so much to prepare. Um, and even if you do end up like I did, you know, until 10 PM trying to get a kid to sleep, you can still run really well the next day. Um, you know, both times up there, I still ran pretty well. I don't think that it really impacted my race, but I just think more from like a mental standpoint, it it does kind of suck to be at the start line and think, Oh, man, I only got like four hours of sleep or whatever. But at the end of the day, just knowing like your fitness is there. And even if you had a less than ideal day before, um, no one's going to be able to take your fitness away. Um, it's not going to like derail your whole race, all that stuff. So don't worry too much about the little things. Um, just know as a whole in the big picture, like you've already put in the training, um, you've done the hardest part. So these little details leading up to the race, while yes, they are like important they're not um, like a huge part of your marathon training at all. It's just we like to talk about these topics to give people a little bit of peace of mind and doing to take their focus off of, you know, the stress of the race um, and just give yourself something to think about besides um, the race that you have to run. So I hope this was useful to you guys and We'll be doing more about, you know, marathon recovery and off season and the upcoming weeks. Uh, and these are even good podcasts, even if you're doing a half or you're not doing, um, you know, any race, if you're doing more of like a, a training cycle focused on speed and 5k, um, these are still really good topics to kind of talk about because they all 
they all um, come at the end of having a really big buildup and working hard over the course of several months. So if you ever have any questions or you want to chat with us specifically, we do a free seven-day trial. We do customized training and one-on-one coaching, um, phone consultations. We do pretty much anything, and we like to get to know our athletes on a one-on-one um, basis and just really like help you specifically um, to improve and reach the next level. So if you're ever interested in that, you can fill out our form at www.runforprs.co and we can get started chatting right away. Thanks for tuning in.